yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Outside of a derby, I've watched in a long time and gone, God, I wish I'd gone to that one. You know, it was it was just so high quality, so high octane, and a team that just came and they didn't give a damn. It was it was Leinster. They just threw everything at it and they played really good good stuff. I think they're right to go with the new plan and the new vision. But I, if I was a Munster supporter, I'd be strapping in for for a rough couple of months. The state of the URC, Leinster's blockbuster clash with the Sharks and whether Munster have hit rock bottom are all up for discussion on the latest episode of the Left Wing Podcast. Will Slattery here with you and I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Fitzgerald and Rory O'Connor for this week's chat. And Rory, we spent a lot of time discussing the strengths and the weaknesses of the URC as a competition in year one. It was very stop-start due to COVID, but this time around... The South African sides have hit the ground running. We've had a lot of storylines from an Irish perspective and plenty of compelling matches too. Do you think the league is in a strong place at the moment? Certainly a lot stronger than it was. I, I think It's funny, I caught up on the Ulster-Ospreys uh, game today and that was, there was a banger Magners league off that. It was like a, it was like stepping back in time compared to the Leinster Sharks game. I think when you get the top seven, eight teams, you've got a really good, prop, um, a really good pro- uh, product. You know, when you get Leinster against the Sharks, both teams going for it. You get one of the best games Ruby I've watched in an awful long time. You get um, any of the South African teams against most of the, you know, any of the Irish teams really. A couple of the Scots are looking decent. Benetton seems to have come back a little bit this year as well, which is good because, you know, they looked like they were going to make a breakthrough a couple of years ago. And really what you want is strength across the board and you want contests across the board. And I've been critical of this league for a long time pretty much because there was no contest. I mean, I cover a lot of games in the RDS because it's local to me and, and so many of them are just, you, you know what's going to happen before you go. There was almost a, a, a template the way Leinster used to win those games and it did nothing for them at the end of the season. Whereas I think that Sharks game, apart from the injury toll it took, will do an awful lot for them in terms of their game, in terms of their confidence. Um, and for the people who were there, I, I didn't get to go myself, but I was jealous. You know, it was the first URC regular season game outside of a derby I've watched in a long time and gone, God, I wish I'd gone to that one. You know, it was it was just so high quality, so high octane, and a team that just came and they didn't give a damn it was, it was Leinster. They just threw everything at it and they played really good, good stuff. And that's what you want to see. You want to see contests. Yeah, it's funny. I was looking forward to the game all week and then when I saw the Sharks team sheet, I was a little disappointed that there wasn't some of the Springbok names who I was hoping might be brought back into action considering some of them had played for the Stormers uh, already. But as you say, it didn't matter a jot in the end. It was an absolutely cracking contest. Luke, you know, from your perspective, the South Africans, obviously we knew we would they would add kind of physicality and a physical challenge maybe to the Irish teams, but it, it, it's kind of 
some of their attacking rugby as well, I think, has probably surprised people. Some of the great tries they've scored, that kind of high-tempo game that a lot of them like to play as well. It, it really is adding to, to the kind of the contest and to the league as a whole. Yeah, no, they really have. I mean, look, you know, they have that traditional South African firepower up front. It makes it really difficult to stop them, but, you know, getting any kind of momentum in, in the tight exchanges. You've got to be so on the, on the money technically, uh, you know, and, you know, mentally as well um, to be up for that fight. So, um, yeah, and then, look, they have that traditional, that, that pace that all the South African teams have on the outside. I mean, it makes it so, so difficult to contain them, um, you know, if they get any kind of uh, momentum, you know, as I said, in those tight, tight exchanges. So they've been brilliant for the for the league so far. I mean, that match in the RDS was, uh, you know, I, I absolutely felt the same way as, as Rudd's about it. Gutted that I had to be there on, on sorry, on Saturday, on Friday. Uh, I was gutted I had to be, you know, in studio watching that um, Munster v. Connacht game. I mean, that was just... A dreary, dreary affair on actually a really nice night in um, in the sports grounds in the new and improved sports grounds. So that was really disappointing. But God, that the RDS was buzzing, and I thought the quality of rugby was was great and really easy on the eye. Um, we'll get into probably you know areas to improve and all that. But you know, I think from a spectator point of view and and the comp- the competition's point of view, um, I thought it was a brilliant match. Yeah, Rod. Now, your, to your point of the top eight and the rest, like I just interested to even see Di Young, the card of director rugby, talking today, saying that he thinks the regions can all beat each other on a given day. The issue is they're probably twenty points worse, you know, each team than the rest of the league, or certainly the good teams in that league, you know. Because as much as we like watching, say, Leinster play the Sharks or some of the other games, would I turn on an Ospreys Scarlets? I wouldn't, you know, I'd probably be more inclined to turn on a premiership game or something like that. So there probably still is a bit of a gap in terms of the overall interest level when Irish teams aren't involved. Do you think that's fair to say? I'd certainly be more likely to put turn on anything involving the Sharks, the Stormers, um, possibly less so the Bulls, although I'm kind of intrigued by the way they go about it, even though it's not as entertaining. And the Lions are, you know, are, are you know, they, they have that combination. They might not be as good. I know they've started really well, but they don't, maybe don't have the quality across the board as the other teams but they make life very very interesting um and i think the more it's going to affect the irish teams like you could kind of just watch the Irish teams all season and know that they're going to end up in the playoffs um and and now monster fans i don't mean this season weekend no i don't mean this season over the year over the last couple yeah, of years yeah, you sorry, kind of yeah. knew they just end up there in the end or or that mm-hmm. uh, whoever was going to you know that, like i think munster fans are going to have to really keep an eye on what's going on with say the ospreys in glasgow at the moment because they're the teams they're going to have to pip if they're going to qualify for europe next year and that means you know that, that the the results of games not involving Irish teams suddenly become really important because it's a competitive league again. It's not a fait accompli who gets the playoffs at the end of the season as it has been over the years. And um, the fact that it's all available if you have Premier or you have the URC TV is good as well. Um, I know that they, they cost money, but the rest you know the Irish games are at least are, are free to air. Then you've got the, these games available if you want them. It's just a better product at the moment, and and the South Africans have, have made it better. I, I think that's undoubtable. Look. I think there are concerns about travel, but I think there's there's no denying that they've made this a better tournament, and and they just don't give it damn. Like, like loads of the European teams were just beaten every time they came to the RDS because it was Leinster, and they've been beaten by Leinster for ten years, and they just don't expect anything more of them. I remember games a couple, you know, about ten years ago where Cardiff would have turned up and get, you know with Martin Williams and lads on board, and they'd give it a real go against Leinster. Those days are so long gone at this stage. So to see see teams like the Bulls and the Sharks turn up. And just throw everything at them, and and just not give a damn about reputations. Just go after the Leinster breakdown at the RDS. It was just, it's so refreshing. Um, 
so yeah, I think we're still a bit away from watching Dragons Ospreys games on, on on a weekly basis. But if that Dragons Ospreys game has a direct implication on whether you're getting into Europe next year, that's going to draw you in to watch that game as well. And that that's what you need competitiveness across the board. It doesn't have relegation, but there are you know as far down as 10th, 11th, 12th, there's going to be deep into the season a bit of stress around. Yeah, I have that written down on my piece of paper here, like the top eight race, like much like the top four in in the Premier League, where even if you're not challenging for a title, you're interested to see who can get the Champions League spot. Similarly, you know, if late on in the season, you know, an Irish team is scrapping for a top eight place, as you say, there will be interest across the board in other games that maybe don't involve an Irish team. Luke, you know, maybe to go to the RDS now, to that Leinster Sharks game that we were touching on, you know, why do you think the Sharks were able to cause Leinster so many problems? Like, they sliced them open on a number of occasions. They played some really good rugby, but I'm sure from a defensive perspective, Leinster were very disappointed. What did you see in that regard? Well, I, well, I had an interesting conversation with a with, a, with an excellent uh, centre today, uh, ex-partner of mine, what, what a, and he had some really interesting thoughts on it. You know, he was saying he's they're, they're, those kind of, we always used to call it that Brumbies play, that, you know, that Ireland run all the time, that kind of, uh, you know the the two centers. You know the two guys kind of coming up uh, hard, close to the line. You know, and then pulling one back to the, to a playmaker out the back. Um, we used to always call that a Brumbies. And he was kind of saying that it's you know they they've run they run that play or uh, well the Sharks ran that play the best of any team he's seen uh, bar Leinster. Uh, so he was really impressed with that. And it's really difficult to defend. Um, you know Leinster will be disappointed. I was saying to my thought, uh, to be honest with you. Um, that I, I just think the wing defense I just I haven't seen a really great kind of a really good really top class winger in terms of defense um you know for for quite a while I think just in, in the, and you know I, I think what happens is you know with those hard up defense it kind of means that if you're left with any kind of decision making or you're kind of left with any kind of space um I'm not sure the guys are as used to having to think about it or having to throw a defensive dummy things like that um you know like fake like you're coming out and then come back in like little things like that i don't see much much uh that impresses me there and i also think the technique wise i just feel like you know the, the guys are getting done very easily uh, at times in the outside channels um you know just because they're not staying over their work or we used to call it staying over your work but but making sure that your body weight is forward and that your footwork is kind of alive uh, so that you can adjust when someone makes a late movement um and i just didn't think i mean i'm maybe getting into the weeds a little bit on it but i just feel like they'll be disappointed with that i think there were some young guys in there so they will learn but you know i think it's a good thing like i, I to, to rod's point about the competition in in the league being exposed to these kind of runners and those kind of you know set plays in big spaces that probably wasn't happening to many of the leinster guys uh, and other irish provinces when they were on their game um, you know, in the league, I think that'll start happening now, and I think by virtue of that, they'll have to improve because I don't think you can lead thirty-four points on a regular basis and expect to win, particularly at the, at the business end of the season. Um, so I think there's it'll be a wake-up call for some of those guys, or at least it should be, um, in terms of their technique. And I think they can improve it. And I think being exposed to these really exciting attacking options that South Africa always have in the outside channels will do that. So, um, that was my takeaway on the defensive side of things. Will I think there's um loads to improve there. And I think good to see some of the young Irish guys in there because I think that's who we really need them to be exposed to this. So uh, I was very positive on it, even though I think there's loads to improve on on it in that area. I was picturing you playing doubles paddle with Brian O'Driscoll when you mentioned that you'd run into an ex-center uh, colleague. You know, I know that's yeah, your... just texting about it. I think there was a few bits where we were just kind of showing some of the plays uh, or he might have put one of, the, one of the plays up on on his Instagram. And I was just kind of saying... 
geez, I never see, I hadn't seen such bad defense. I mean, you'd have crucified me if I did that. And um, he was kind of saying, well, he went a different way about it. He kind of thought, well, actually, the, the play was run really, really well. But we kind of did end up agreeing on the, the you know, just the technique, um, you know, just being need, needing to improve, you know. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think, that, like, as I said, I think that's good that they're getting exposed to that in the league because most of these guys, it might only happen to you at the business end of the Heineken Cup of late for Leinster. Do you know that kind of way? So I think being exposed to this in the league is great. And, um, yeah, you know, I think the, the South African teams have really added some value. And I think you're seeing it straight away because uh, I thought that was a brilliant match. Um, leaky defences, but really brilliant match to watch. Yeah, 88 points and 13 tries overall tells tells a story, Rudy. Because uh, to Luke's point, like Leo Cullen was kind of very positive after the game about the test his team had gotten. Now, maybe privately he was a little more critical, but certainly he was pushing the the kind of the narrative that the South African test that they got on Saturday could bode very well or, or, or certainly give them a bit of an added advantage that maybe they didn't have in years past. Yeah, I mean, you think of someone like Rob Russell who who got done by Tacker Abrahams, just that late change of movement. I mean, there's no one... There's no one in the old Magnus League really who could do that. That's a Cheslin Colby move. I mean, that, that was like, you know, someone played in the PlayStation at, at the last second. I mean, the way he swerved out of the contact was just incredible. Like, Russell's probably never come up against anything like that in his life. And maybe he'll be more ready for it next time. Or maybe he's, that's, you know, maybe that's just not, you know, undefendable from his point of view. That I'm is sure. defendable, Rhodes. You're defendable, but you know, from him, just, maybe that's his ceiling. I don't know. Forward. All you got to do is clip him. You don't even have to, because even if you just clip him, he goes backwards and it's straight away, it stops the momentum. You don't even have, like, it's, I get it. It's a really difficult move to defend, but if you're over, if you're, if your body weight is over that and you don't get sold on it and you do your homework, you know, he's got a big left foot step. Um, I think you should be expecting that one. I'd expect you to even hit him, even if you don't catch him fully. But the, but the, the experience that I've, the experience that I've for a Rob Russell, who else? Young John McKee. You know the 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 scrum half comes on at, at you know at half time for Mark Foley, Mark Maloney who gets you know comes in wasn't supposed to be playing. I mean, how much better is that for them than beating Glasgow by forty points or beating you know Zerby by forty points? I mean, that's a proper you know you see how up Sexton got for it. Like that was a level that he he thrived at. He wasn't bored at all. Like he was like this is this is proper. This is this is real, and that's really beneficial to them. I think one interesting point as well is that Noel, Noel McNamara was. The one who constructed that attack and and put it all together, um, you know, a coach who I think will be in the frame for that Stuart Lancaster job. I don't know if he'll get it, but he'll be in the he'll be he's in the conversation for all of those big Irish jobs at the moment. Um, he's gone off, you know, he managed Leinster Academy, managed the Ireland twenties. He went to the stint in North Harbour. He's gone off to the Sharks for a two year stint. He's taken his family to Durban. But it's all part of a plan, you would imagine. You know, he, he's he's an ambitious guy. He's a really good coach. I interviewed him last week, had a coffee with him in Ballsbridge, and a fascinating fellow to talk to as well. And for him to come and give that sort I know the defense wasn't great, but he's he's the attack coach. Um, for him to come and put together that level of game plan and cause Leinster that many problems, they'll be impressed by that. They all know him anyway. I mean, I think he had a coffee with Leo Cullen the day before he met me. He was, you know, he's he's well regarded within the Leinster and the RFU setups, and he, he'll he'll land the big job in Ireland in the next while. So, but it was a good time for his attack to click that way. They weren't that good against. I watched the game against the Dragons the previous week for research, and they weren't that good against them. That was that was really. You know, cohesive and intercepts like, and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really. He pulled out all the stops, and you know, I thought Leinster responded really well and put together some good stuff on on their own. And a couple of those biggest hitters are are hitting their straps. So Robbie Henshaw was magnificent. I thought Ringrose, um, 
Mourinho's played so well in the wing that that he uh, he might end up stuck there. You know, um, th- th- there was a couple of players really stood up. Andrew Porter I thought was excellent. Um, a few others Jeez, as well. Natoy, Natoy is. I mean, look, whatever bit my views around, all, you know, maybe you know, stopping the some of the academy talent coming through. I mean, geez, he was so good. Like he's a brilliant. Like he looks like a really good bit of business, doesn't he? I mean, um, now maybe I think the Sharks' defense was pretty loose, but um, I mean, even the crossfield kick was a lovely touch because I, you know, even when you're in that position as a Sharks defender, I actually thought they held their shape well to pick that out. I'd say there was no way they were expecting that little crossfield kick. I mean, that was a that was a really classy touch, wasn't it? And I know, I know, we'll get to Munster, but you compare the impact he's having with the impact Fekatoa's having, and and Fekatoa's got 20, 22 odd caps and now plays for Tonga. And Natoy, I think, only has one All Blacks cap, but you know he's just coming in there. He's just again a shrewd piece of business by Leinster to get a guy who just fits into their system. Leo Cullen has talked about how he 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 met him and um he did a stint in the Chiefs a couple of years ago, and he was really impressed by his leadership back then when he was playing for the Chiefs. And then he went to Leon. They played against him in the Champions Cup. You know he wasn't a he wasn't a blowout of the water kind of you know stand out in, in top 14 he wasn't doing Ches and Colby stuff but they saw that he could do that ISA role when when the internationals are away that he can keep standards high that he can fit you know he's already played two or three positions he, he fits just what Leinster need from their overseas signings and uh, he's been really really good um, since since he arrived yeah made that key defensive intervention against Ulster as well that, that kind of preserved that victory Luke what did you make of Johnny Sex's performance Luke listed a couple of guys there but I, I don't think he mentioned uh Johnny Sexton, who surely was in the running from out of the match as well. Masterful performance. I know. I, I was texting him after saying uh, one more one more year. Um, yeah, God, I thought he was really, really good. He looks so sharp. He still looks like he's got the pace as well, um, you know, which is something that I think at that stage. Look, I think at 10, you could probably hide that. You need to have 10 yards most of the time. But I actually thought he looked like he could open up a bit. He looked really, really good. Looks like his stint over in the UAE um, training, um, you know, really helped him. He's come back looking, looks strong. I mean, like that try he got was in the 70th minute, you know, and he looks like, you know, he bumped, got a good bump off. I think it was the, I don't know who it was, one of the Sharks front rowers. Might have been the one of the subs, but I'm not 100%. Um, great spot, obviously. You know, we expect him to spot that space. But, geez, to get through that and have the pace to get over um, and the fitness, uh, you know, at 70 minutes brilliant so um look he's really good like i think the game is slow for him i that's what i think he it looks like he sees nearly everything and even under pressure against you know all the defenses are coming up so hard now they all look like they're offside nearly all the time he still looks like a guy who has uh, that little bit of extra time in the ball um i mean some of his decision making is just like and it's literally you know you've got a i've been in that situation i played in the center um you know at, at, a, at a high level and i think um I would never have been able to do any of those things. Like it was just so impressive to see him. Like because his front, you know, the guys who were coming short off him, like they are still an option until the very last second. Like it's so hard to defend that. And then all of a sudden he just pulls it out the back with a perfect pass into the bread basket. Like you're using your peripherals there because he still has to look at the front door and at the defender. I, I'm just it's such an it's such an amazing skill for any young players watching him. Like that that to my mind is his single most impressive thing. Um, bar maybe his quickness of hand, but his speed of thought and how he can his, his use of peripherals to to still be able to pick out the defenders. He was just so good at it all night, Will. Um, and yeah, I mean, he looked strong as well. I, I mean, I was so impressed with him because they would obviously have been targeting him here and there in the match, and he he dealt with that really well. So really impressed with him. Yeah, he certainly was vying for that uh, man of the match. Um, 
you know, alongside, I thought Ring, I thought, uh, you know, obviously Ringrose was superb, but I mean, Henshaw, God, he must be a dream to play outside. Um, I mean, that line speed that he gives you, he just makes all your decisions so simple outside him. Just off the line, no matter what. So fit, so game for the contact. He's just a brilliant, brilliant. I, Henshaw might be one of my favorite players to, to watch. I just think he's so he's so robust throughout the game and fit. Like he just everything he does, I just like. Um, and he's really a fulcrum for this Leinster team. And when he plays well, I always think Leinster play well. Uh, and I think the same for Ireland. So uh, those guys were brilliant. I mean, look, we get into the guys in the pack. Um, you know, that was probably a tougher tougher day at the office for them, but I, I still thought they dealt with it well. And in the open, I thought they were outstanding as well. So uh, don't want to go on too long, but I'm uh, really impressed with lots of, the, lots of the guys, yeah. Yeah, next up for Leinster is Connacht on Friday night. Rudd, you were at the sports ground last Friday. The desperation derby, you termed it. I was glad to see it get a shout out on uh, Premier Sport where someone said <laughs> it was true on coin, the desperation well. derby. Um, <laughs> but as it turned out, you know, you probably weren't far off. It, it was nervy. It, it, it did feel like there was a lot at stake, even though it was maybe low quality. I found it very compelling all the same because just what it, the, the result would mean for either side. You know, what, what kind of did you take away from the game? You know, once the dust had settled and obviously Munster were a shambles, Connacht got that first win, everyone to spin that. But then once it kind of settled down, what did you, what were you kind of thinking about? Well, I think I think the the value of that result for Connacht will will be seen in a month's time and whether they're able to back it up. And their fixture list after this weekend gets a little bit easier. So they, they've Leinster this weekend, but then it, that's their, their first five games were always horrific. And then it's, it drops off and becomes a bit more manageable. And if they can back it up with, even if they can get one bonus point against Leinster on Friday and then they start picking up four and five as they go, I, I don't think that their squad and their tight five is going to get them into Europe next year. But I still think they can have an, you know a decent season, picking off enough wins and maybe have run the Challenge Cup. But they their start was horrific and they showed enough on Friday night to show that they can be a good team when it clicks. They should have scored more tries. It should have been much more comprehensive and comfortable for them. They left a lot out there. They, I liked their, um, I liked their physicality. I liked the way from minute one they went after Munster. Um, I thought Gavin Thornbury was outstanding. I thought Ushin Dowling was very good as well alongside him. I thought they brought a real edge to proceedings. I mean, first involvement, um, Gavin Coombs carries into contact and and Thornbury forces a for, forces a small a small scrum and then they go after him at the line out to go after him at the scrum and that's what you do when you're at home. You know, they made it, they made the sports ground get behind them. They, they made it very uncomfortable for Munster. And yet Munster were able to handle it and, and kind of got themselves back into the game, but partly down to Carthy's missed kicks and partly down to Connor coming and going from the 22 without enough points and got themselves in a commanding position. And then Connacht outscored him for the last 25, 30 minutes, partly because Andy Friend picked a 6-2 spit in his bench and put uh, Dooley, Josh Murphy there and brought on some power. And, and they had the energy in the last 20, 25 minutes and there was really no point... Once Connacht got in front, there was no point where Munster um, looked like they were going to win the game. And while you kind of look at Connacht and go, they could have a decent season, I, you know, I'm Connacht fans may be frustrated that my expectations for them are lower than my expectations for Munster. Um, I think Munster are really going to struggle. And I think the next, they're, they're, they'll get a break during November because there's no URC during November. There's a couple, might be a couple of A games and stuff, but they'll get a, a room to breathe. But then they come into Europe and they've got Toulouse. And Toulouse are flying in France. And their fixture list really, I talked about the first, the next three games before November. It's Bulls, who lost at the weekend, but are still very big and very strong and very good. Leinster in the Aviva, a game they very, very rarely win. And this season, I mean, Leinster 15 from 15, Munster 6 from 15. 
Um, and then Ulster are coming to town. Ulster look really good at the moment. Um, on the back of two weeks in South Africa, that you know that can galvanize a team. Like Munster could be looking at eight points from the first five games if they don't go well. Those games now they're back at home and this weekend. They'll think, you know, I was on the call earlier, Dennis Leamy's quite upbeat about how they can put, turn it around, but he did say a couple of lines about how the, um, you know, we don't want to change what we're trying to do in order to get wins. We don't want to go back. He basically said, we don't want to go back to box kick rugby just to get the results. We want to pers- persevere with what we're doing because in the long term, we will get the results we need. But a lot of people have drawn parallels with Joe Schmidt's first four games and the fact that they lost, lost three from four and, O'Driscoll came out to bat for him in the week of that that four, that fifth game. I think it was Munster, actually. I mean, there's nothing like that. I mean, it's not like that. The caliber of team isn't like what Leinster had at that time. That You know, Leinster had just won the European Cup two seasons ago. Like, this is not a parallel situation. This is a team that looks really low on confidence, and it's going to be a long run for them. Yeah, Luke, you know, Graham Rowntree mentioned that he did see some green shoots or some, some improvements did you see anything like does, on Friday night in that regard? Is there anything um, for them to take away from that game? No, uh, uh, no, I, I didn't. I didn't think so. I didn't see. Um, I think maybe possibly they retained the ball. Their rooking, their attacking rooking might have been a little bit better from the week before. But like other than that, I mean, I don't know. It was really at six and sevens throughout. I mean, there was some, like any kind of good bit of play they had, they backed it up with a mistake. There was some really odd play. Now I know they're, they've basically got a back three crisis in terms of injuries. And you'd have to think that'll make a big difference to the team. Like it definitely will, you know, um, the positionally, I think, and you know, what they, what, a, what a good back three does to a pitch, it really opens up a pitch and it can, you know, by virtue of that, um, you know, you'd like to see them get involved as well, but by virtue of opening up the pitch and having threats out wide, it does m- create opportunities kind of internally for you, you know, so you think hopefully Fekitoa benefits from that and some of their forward carriers, but uh, I'd be really concerned with that area we talked about, Will, um, you know, uh, we have been talking about Munster, that front row, I mean, you know, I think Connacht have a, you know, I was looking at their stats and I just don't know what to read into scrum stats at all, but they seem to be pretty good at scrum time in terms of retaining the ball and penalties against, etc. Um, you know, just going by the URC stats last week uh, before I was in studio, and um, they really made Munster scrum. They put them under serious pressure, you know, and I think against a really gnarly pack, like I don't think that's a gnarly pack by any uh, stretch uh, down in Connacht. I mean, a reasonably good front row, I think, but I don't know. I think against the bigger teams, they'll really struggle. I, like, I just can't see how they contain Leinster particularly. Um, you know, I think Connacht, or I think, you know, uh, or sorry, I think Ulster as well. Ulster have come on in that department and they've got some fresh, uh, you know, guys coming in there. Um, I, I just think that's a real area of concern. I just don't see any business being done by Munster in that area too. I think they need a, they need a hooker. I think they need a tight head badly. I mean, letting John Ryan go. And I think it looks like, uh, to my mind, Cronin's playing very well for Leicester as well. So, um, I don't know. I'm I, I just concerned about them. Like, I know they didn't, like, it seemed to me like Round, Roundtree wasn't, they were too slow to make the move on, on 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 getting him in there. Apparently, he, they had to go with Van Grand's preseason plan, which was a bit all over the place in terms of time off and things like that. Uh, he hasn't got a chance to really, it sounds like, you know, well, I'm sure he would have influenced some of the the, the policy around who the, the, the bodies that they got in, but... Uh, to how to what extent I don't know because I feel like that's a real area of concern for me and and I I just can't see anything good from them from the weekend to answer your point directly will I I think uh, Healy was 
Healy was very he had a he had a really poor game, and I hate killing the young lads, but he was really bad. Like, and some of the the penalty kicks to touch, they just kill a team when it's not going well for you. And then he was kind of smiling when he did that, and defensively he looked poor. Um, Carby, I think, as if you know, I I'm not sure if it's too late for him to go back to fullback, but I still think that's a better position. I thought Crowley has been good in the emerging tour, so maybe that's something that they they do stick with, but. Um, I'm just really concerned for them, Will. I, I think it's there's a there's a bit more pain for them in the short term, definitely. But I think it might be medium term as well. I, I think they're right to go with the new plan and the new vision. But I, if I was a Munster supporter, I'd be strapping in for for a rough couple of months. Yeah, Rod. Like, has it got to the stage already where, like, kind of say like Stephen Kenny with Ireland, where like results are going to be sacrificed for this season, and Munster just have to persist and almost take their medicine and say okay, we might not qualify for the Champions Cup. That's just the cost of doing this or pursuing this new style of play. And and introducing a, a new batch of players. And you're, you're talking about the emerging Ireland tour. Well, Crowley, if Crowley is the man, then give him the 10 shirt. You know, give it to him for the season and, and let it ride. You know, see see how it goes. If that's the, if that's the, the plan, you know, if, if they've been given the freedom by the Munster board to do that. Now, like financially, that's a big blow. Like losing out in Champions Cup rugby, makes it harder to attract players next season from abroad. You know, if they have budget for a tight five forward, I mean, could they have gone and got Rory Sutherland like Ulster did? Could they get him after, like, he's only there till the end of the season. Can they get him once Kitschoff comes into Ulster? Like, I mean, he's good enough. He's exactly the kind of profile that he needs. He's powerful, good scrummager. I know Loosehead's maybe not the problem position that they, you know, but then Kilcoyne is is getting towards the end of his career. So, um, you know, it just it seems like Ulster were much more decisive in, in, in there. They saw... An opportunity in the in the Worcester crisis, and and Ulster are kind of making them look bad across the board because Ulster look really really good on you know have the same issues in terms of being ne- neighbours to Leinster and, and all of those sort of things, but they seem to have a much more aligned vision in what they're doing. And um, the one I, the one thing they do have this week, and it, the players are only coming back on into training on Thursday, so it might be too late for this match. But I think John Hodden's a really good player who can add something to them. Um, Crowley, we've already mentioned Antoine Frisch. I think will make a big difference to their attack. He looks like a really good player. I think it's really, it's unfortunate for Munster that he was whisked away, particularly when Chris Farrell became unavailable as well. But I think Frisch and Fekatoa give you something potentially different than that center part center. And I think in that first game of the season, when he came off the bench, Frisch looked like he had something and he caused problems for the opposition. And then he was disappeared for a while. Um, Shane Daly looked at a fullback again. He gives you a bit of experience and a bit of an option there as well. And Thomas Ahern was probably one of the players of that emerging Ireland tour. And he, again, like Kraut, just unleash him. Just give him, get him in your 23, play him all the time. He has energy. He has ambition. He, he, he's one of these lads like Gavin Coombs. Some of the older players look like they're just beaten down by Leinster and they've lost their belief. Remember Gavin Coombs in that URC final? Remember two years ago when they didn't fire a he's shot? Really and yes. yeah. Coombs just kept going. Everyone else gave up. Coombs just kept going and they need more lads like that who haven't been broken and they have some players in their system who who have that capacity and I'm encouraged by the fact that a dog bow is getting minutes you know and, and that those things are happening but it's hard in, in a losing team it's hard to 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 keep that belief going so it's a delicate balance and for all that we criticize some of our senior players like you know I think Ty Burns being probably their best player so far it certainly was on Friday and he's not going bad either you know he's coming up with plays can Munster given their tradition and given their history and all that stuff, can they sack off the Champions Cup? No, but they've they've got to find a way of doing both. Um, and it's not looking likely at the moment. And who knows, a year in the Challenge Cup where they've, you know, where they can focus on the URC might just be what the best thing that could happen to them. But they can't, from this point of view, 
And this remove when you when the challenge sorry when the Champions Cup is still there and there's so much to play for, they can't be saying that. They got to go after it, um, and they've got to back the talent that they have and the coaches that they have that they can pick up the results that they need. It's just they've given themselves an, a serious uphill uphill challenge now at this stage. And they've got very lucky. I mean, Rhodes, I don't know. I mean, I, Snyman, is that like, is that not looking at all likely like he's, is that this side of Christmas he's back? Or is, how, how big a setback is that from, from what you're hearing? It doesn't sound like it'd be this side of November and then Jeez, you're in Christmas. That's so unlucky. Yeah, they have been unlucky, but they took a decision to extend this. You know, they have this budget. They've put budget into him. He hadn't played for two years and they decided to back him. Now, that is a that is a admirable thing to do in terms of you know the guy's had a very difficult two years he's fit in he's bought into it they like him but from a purely business point of view or purely rugby point of view was that the best allocation of resources for their overseas spot it's hard to argue that it was they've got so little out of him and it's really unfortunate he was an unbelievable signing on paper and it's so unfortunate it hasn't happened and they must be tearing their hair out that they let jason jenkins go because they've they could have kept jenkins and let snyman go now Jenkins had a terrible injury rate as well. He played ten games last season, but so not on Snyman's level. But um, they must be looking at Jenkins because he's exactly what they're looking for, and he's been so good for Leinster. Um, but yeah, they weren't allowed to have two two overseas signings under the RFU rules, and they 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 chose to go with, in fairness, a guy who has been one of the best locks in the world, if not the best, at times during his career. It's just been desperately unlucky, and yeah, the the, the latest setback just means. What are we looking at? Maybe half a season out out of him at best, and that's such a paltry return from a guy that looked like he could be a game changing blockbuster signing. Yeah, I wonder were they looking at Marcel Cotia and his injury bad luck with Ulster missing the first two seasons and then coming back and being a standout I think player of the year one year and a standout another year, but obviously that was potentially an outlier given what we've seen so far from Simon Luke Rudd mentioned there, kind of some of the players potentially being kind of mentally beaten down, like the, the kind of the senior guys and the, and the middle tier who have been there five, six years. Do you think there is a bit of a, maybe a mental malaise from being there for so long and for things maybe not going great? Because I think Keane might've mentioned in, in his piece about Munster uh, on Monday that you would expect with a new coaching staff, there'd be a much bigger energy or a greater boost, you know, that kind of honeymoon period that doesn't seem to have even gotten off the ground. Yeah, and look, the problem with the the you know being in such a great club is that the expectation is is very high, and I think that's really wearing on on guys um, and on a squad when it's really not going well. And I suppose it ties into that point uh, about well, disagreeing on that point about the green shoots. Like I just haven't seen any of that. You know, I think they're really struggling for even basic. Like I I would say they're really struggling to even get any kind of basic. Um, uh, kind of momentum in their phase play like you can even i know watching it being out of the game like six seven whatever it is six seven years now at this stage like that distance between nine and those forward pods like every team in the world is coming off the line hard now you can't have that pass being that long uh to those guys i mean they just can't get anything going so um even that is 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 a big issue that i can see uh, that needs to be way tighter um it gives them no option to even go out the back and even try and do that because if they are trying to play a more expansive game, the forwards are absolutely key to that. And they just can't seem to get anything going there. There's guys dropping basic passes. Um, the only guy who's been consistently great in there, oh, probably two of them is probably O'Mahony and, and Byrne was brilliant in there. His ball handling is, you can see from the Irish team, like he, he can do all that kind of stuff. So they have the players to play the game, but I just think someone's not, I, I don't see any progression in the game plan. And I think that's one of the big issues that I saw just in terms of the phase play. 
Um, and they all looked like they were really nervous and panicking uh, about their their depth. No one was coming onto the ball with any, at any pace and ferocity. And you know, Connacht's defence has struggled, but I thought they made them look really, really good because they were so easy to defend. So, um, you know, I just I hate to. I think that the reason that we are seeing that kind of low energy is because it's really tiring to have to keep answering these kind of questions and to be in a, in an environment where the expectations are that you would at least. Uh, you know, put up a good fight. I don't even think they're at they're there at the moment. So, you know, I do want to give you do of course want to give them time, but at some point you've got to. I, I just haven't seen enough from them. Uh, I, I was expecting to see a really big performance from them in Connacht, and and I was expecting to see some green shoots. I just didn't see that. Uh, I think they really need those back three players back quickly, um, and they need to tighten up some of the basics of the game. Um, and just cut out some of the errors. Just the errors are something that the coaches, there's not so much, that's not really that much you can do about that as a coach. Um, you know, I think that's down to the player group. So I'm hoping to see a quick turnaround from them. Like I think, a, you know, a, a weak monster is not good for Irish rugby. And at the moment they look very weak. Um, you know, and, and, and that's not all down to just the deficiencies in, in, in the front row. That that's a, It's the team-wide issue at the moment. So um, I feel for them. They're in a bad place. Um need to at this point i think focus on the basics of the game um those big pillars and and get it right because you know i can i can i can i can stomach them kind of losing and i can i'll stay off their back if they're if they're if i can see some positives but i just haven't seen them at the moment need to turn around quickly will uh, pretty demoralizing for for them all at the moment i'm sure yeah it'll be telling to see how many or if any emerging ireland players come back into that monster team considering i think they're only going to be back in training on thursday so if they're bringing in a whole batch of guys who've been away for two and a half weeks already, it shows that they're they're really oh, do they think bring them straight back in. Will I think I don't know. Do you think what do you, what do you think, Rhodes? Would you I think get them put a few of them away? I, I can't see them starting if they haven't done the week training, but I think there'll be a few of them on the bench, particularly in the areas where they're light. And Crowley, like where 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 is Crowley now in the pecking order, Rod? Like obviously he played well, but that wasn't in a Munster shirt or in a Munster environment. Like, do, does he get kudos? Do you think at provincial level for what he did in South Africa, or is Graham Rowntree gonna say, well, I've invested in Ben Healy for a couple of weeks, Joey Carberry is also there, and Jack, you're kind of still where you were when you left. No, I think it would be self defeating for Graham Rowntree to ignore what Jack Crowley's just done, and if Jack Crowley's come bouncing in on Thursday. Um, I'm not saying put him straight into the team and he may be one that it's going to be hard to give him his first start of the season um, against Leinster away next week so I don't know how you manage that but you know it's it you, you, that's credit in the bank surely it has to be credit in the bank he's run that team really well he looks really confident sure the opposition in the first game was terrible but you know Saturday Sunday was a, was a better game against a better team and you know the pack was going backwards and he still executed a fair bit so um it's, it's just it's such an important position that can, like it's unfortunate that they didn't come back a couple of days earlier and he didn't get the full week to go at it. I mean, we haven't seen Joey Carby at ten this season, and you know he's still their franchise quarterback, isn't he? Really, I know, I know we we all think he, he could do a job at fifteen, and and there wasn't a huge amount of evidence for that on Friday, but that's not necessarily his fault. Um, I, I think they'll probably start Carby for the next couple of games, but I think Healy, sorry, I think Crowley, um is in a really strong position because in Healy's game at the weekend surely cost him some credits. You know, he, that's that they're coach killers, those miss, miss uh, line kicks. And that's really, really difficult. Just looking at that um, South Africa game in, in Porky Cueve. I mean, that's, they'll have a two week window into that. I know it's, it's a, it's a challenge match or whatever, but those games have been really important to Munster over the years. It's sold out Porky Cueve. 
that could be something where they get something, you know, where the internationals are away, they've got two weeks to prepare, they put Crowley in, they put the young guys in, and they give the Springbok whatever, you know, Razzie's coming back, they give that a good rattle, they could get some momentum out of that, and it could be a way of kind of getting some of those players in in a less pressurised environment and go out and enjoy themselves and have a bit of connection with the fans and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that could be where you kind of see the next kind of genesis of what they're doing kick off, because really you can't really throw lads in this week because they're only back on Thursday. Then you've got Leinster away, which is the hardest game of your season. Then you've got Ulster at home and you've possibly gone into that with one win on the board. So it's just, the margins are so fine. The Ulster game though, Road, like the, the Ireland players with a week to go to the Springboks, they'll be gone. So like gone, they won't yeah. really have much option. That's true. That's true. So yeah, we're, but like I, I've, I've long thought, like Healy's impressive. Um, he's played well at times, but I've always thought Crowley has the, the greater ceiling and, and he, lost the march on Healy at the start. Healy got the jersey first and Healy's there have been times where Healy's owned it, but I, I think Crowley needs to get, get minutes and they need to, to back him for a while now. His his defense uh, I mean Healy's defense is very worrying the last couple of weeks. Missed a bad one the week before, uh you know, close to the line, but also missed a couple of bad ones. But I mean that defense on Hawkshaw is kind of inexcusable, you know, and they basically there was lots of errors in it. There was a few errors in a row, but I, I don't know. I'd be I'd be concerned about him in that respect. I didn't see him make any good tackles in the weekend. I just feel like I mean, that's kind of a basic, you know. I, I look at there's there are difficult tackler tackles to make out there, but the ones he's you know, he needs to get that part of his game sorted out. I, and then you, you talk about the attack. I mean, the team is stuttering a little bit, but you know, he didn't look like he was taken up by the scruff of the neck at any stage. And, you know, if he's not doing those two things, you know he's got that that cannon of a boot, and if that's not working too, I mean I don't know where, where are we? He, you know he needs to have a bit of a it's a bit of a reality check for him. You know, um, you know he looked very he looked very calm out there, but things were going wrong. And I'm not sometimes I'd like to see a little bit of panic, you know, that kind of way going, a bit of recognition that things aren't going right. Come on, and you know let's get back to basics. Let's let's get the pack going forward. Um, I didn't see that, so I. I it's a real shame. I, I think I think you're right, Rose, about the guys coming back in this late and you know not get a chance. To my mind, that's penalising them for going on a kind of an odd tour uh, in the middle of a season. So I hope maybe they've been feeding them a few of the plays and maybe looking at some of the training or something. I doubt it. I think you're going to be right, but I hate to see a guy penalised from getting an opportunity when he clearly should be getting. And these are the key games for Crowley, you know. Yeah, when I think of Jack Crowley, I just can't help but see that like La Rochelle's first choice at half is injured at the moment. They kind of have a patchwork ten there. Like if he he could have gone there two years ago or, or at least one season ago, and who knows how much game time and potentially medals he would have had, and he could maybe be coming back into an Irish system now. You know, ahead of, or maybe after the World Cup with a huge reservoir of top quality game time. But it was his decision, I suppose. Ultimately, Rudd. You know, while we're speaking about halves, Jack Carty on Friday night, you were there, you saw him play. It was kind of, for me, his kind of his career summed up in one game, like a sublime pass to kick things off and then just, you know, off the deck, missing some very straightforward kicks that ultimately put them under a lot of pressure and then they had that late rally to kind of get back on top. You know, where does he fit in at the moment, do you think? And, you know, that kind of point I suppose I'm, I'm making about the yin and the yang with them, it still can be very frustrating. Sure. No, I, I, I get that. And and I think it does bear repeating that it was his first game of the season after shoulder surgery. So he um he didn't go on that South Africa tour. If he did, he went for the second week. You know, he's had a, a disjointed uh, preseason. So I think there's some mitigation in, in the fact that things were awry. And 
fairness to those kicks hit the post so that he wasn't far off with them although you want to be kicking them if you want to be Ireland's 10 you've got to kick those goals and Jack Hardy knows that I think he, he there have been moments in the last couple of years where his goal kicking has has let him has let him down and, and that's probably one of the reasons he didn't get selected what I think was admirable about his performance was that he didn't let those moments get to him and when Connacht needed to control the game and control territory between himself and the other two tens that they had on their on, on the pitch which worked out very well tactically um they were able to put Munster in the, in the difficult spots and they backed they knew they had the forward pack which doesn't often happen for Connacht but they had the pack to get on top and they just kept pinning Munster back and knowing that they could play territory and pin Munster into their own half and get the points and he made some really good decisions he wasn't perfect I think even Andy Friend said that afterwards he said you know Jack has played better for us many times before but he's a very important player in the way that I think um Luke was talking about Ben Healy maybe wasn't at the weekend and Healy's young and he you know presence is something maybe over the years you, you, you accumulate and if you kind of look at all the tens that we watched over the weekend I know Ian Madigan had a terrible injury which was really unfortunate but you see like from Sexton the warrior leader who's like like setting the tone through his like just body language and effervescence the whole way through the game you know your 10 is so important to watch your to what you're doing I think Carthy was really important to the way Connor got through that game where he is in the international picture I think he needs three or four really big games to get into that November squad um it depends on how serious Frawley's injury is I, I suppose I think they, they feel like they can trust him but they don't know if they if he has the capacity to to do it for them on the biggest day so they, they, they he's probably still fourth but he's at, I think he's ahead of Ross Byrne and Billy Burns those kind of guys um probably beh- he's still behind Johnny Sexton Joey Carberry probably Frawley like Harry Byrne was supposed to play for Lansdowne on Saturday and got injured again in the warm-up so that's like where do you start there you know so that's that's you know I don't want to write the guy off he's still only 23 or 24 but like he's missed a lot of rugby in the last couple of years but he has been seen as the kind of in that echelon at the top so I think Hardy's right in the frame and you know he's only one injury away from probably being on the bench for Ireland in a big game and you know if when you look at the field you wouldn't, you know, there's not a, a whole lot to argue that he he shouldn't be there either. Yeah, Luke, what's your view on Jack Carty and like what did you make of his performance? As you know, Road touching a couple of points there. Yeah, I thought it was like some good, some bad. Um, I would agree with your original statement. It was kind of a very him kind of performance, you know. Um, you know, and look, it's very difficult to put it all together at ten. I mean, you're touching the ball so often, and you know, let's face it, he's been playing in teams that haven't. You know, the packs he's playing behind on a weekly basis, they're not, they're not dominated. They dominate very few teams. Now they've had some good packs over the years, but generally speaking, you know, they don't have the big budget guys. They're, you know, they're not going to be. It's rare that a Connacht pack dominates, and I think, you know, I think he's, you know, he's a bit of a flair player. You know, I think uh, Bundy Aki is very important for him. You know, he gives him that little bit of go forward sometimes that the pack that you, that he mightn't get from his pack against, you know, a, you know, fairly grizzled, you know, Ulster or Leinster pack and Munster in previous years. So, um, you know, he didn't have him there, which I think was, you know, makes it tough. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I, I suppose I've just never really seen him in that bracket as an international at half. If I'm being completely honest, that's an awful thing to say about someone. But uh, that's just my that's just my view on him. You know, I I just I never rate him that highly. I think he's got quite a decent short kicking game, but I'm never convinced about his long passing. I thought that was awful defense by by Carberry on the weekend. It's not zippy, um, and I don't think he's got real force behind it. Just a just a personal view as an outside back, um, looking at his game. I think he's got a lovely short passing game, and I think he has some nice. You know some nice touches, um, but as an overall player, no, I, 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 he, he wouldn't be up there for me. I, I'd have Ross Byrne ahead of him actually. Um, although Ross Byrne is the benefit of that Leinster pack, 
I definitely have Frawley ahead of him. I'd have Carberry ahead of him too. Um, and um, I'd actually probably have both the Ulster out halves ahead of him um, as well, to be honest with you. I think they're they're more suited to international rugby, more robust, I think, and more rounded games, like more complete players. So I think he's actually quite far down the, in my pecking order, but um, I feel like that's very harsh because I think he's got a tough, tougher challenge on a weekly basis than all of those other, other guys over the years. And I think he's been a big game player for them on certain occasions. Well, just to finish up, the Emerging Ireland Tour, we talked about it a lot and mostly uh, blasting it and slamming it. Now that it's kind of all said and done, the players are making their way home. As you mentioned, two tougher challenges after the first game, which was a bit of a farce. Like, Was it a worthwhile exercise, do you think, overall? Had it taken place in July, then it would have been fine. Um, I think taking the players out of the provinces, certainly the players who would have played, like Balakou and Stuart Moore out of that Leinster game, um, you know the Munster guys would have played. They would, have, you know, they, they needed those players. Like Munster and Ulster needed those players for those fixtures. And there are players who went over who would have been. I was talking to someone last week who was going through a lot of lads who would have been on, basically on the bench for AIL teams. Some of them down in Division Two, and they got much better games uh, over there, which is great for them. But when you're talking about the guys, the players that you think could actually make an impact in Ireland in the next year or two those players would have been playing for the provinces. Like you got to be in the provinces first team for these games. If, if you're going to be, and you were near the Ireland setup. So I, where I think the benefit of this tour will be is actually in 2020 in after the world cup, because these, most of those players are got, like, when you look at the back line or even the pack for, from the weekend or, or the first game, a lot of those players are not going to play for Ireland until after the world cup. But once the world cup's over and a few people retire and people, you know, maybe move, move abroad or injuries start taking shape, then, these are the lads that are going to step in and step up then. And they've played under, and Andy Farrell is now the coach beyond the World Cup. And I think there's value in that. And they're going to come in after in that at that point. And I know the set would have setup will have changed a little bit, but they've got a feel for it now. And, and there's benefit in that. Um it just the timing never made sense for me. And I it, it damaged two of the provinces quite severely. Like Connacht a little bit as well. I mean, they could have done with Prendergast over in South Africa. I know they got by without him on, on Friday, but he, you know, he's, he's a really important player to them. Um, I can completely understand why the provinces are really annoyed about it. And uh, that doesn't, I don't think the, the, the long-term benefits probably outweigh that. I think that the, the, the short-term pressures that are on those coaches, you look at Graham Rountree, the amount of pressure he's on now, he could have done with five, five of those players over the last couple of weeks. So, um, Look, it was grand. It, it it did what the national team coaches wanted from it, and some of those players will have advanced as a result of it, and that, that's that's beneficial. I can't see it if Ireland have won the World Cup next year. I don't see any like maybe someone for a political point will make the point, but no one's really going to be looking back to this unless Jack Crowdy's a starting out half. You know, maybe maybe then. Well, I feel like we've we've talked about it pretty much every week so far on the left wing, so I'm kind of glad to have it in the rearview mirror. I'd have uh, plenty to look forward to over the coming weeks. But for the moment, I'd like to thank Rudd and Luke for joining me this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And please rate and review us there. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.